0: Hi, my name is Yarrow, and you're listening to the Creative Ritual Podcast. I'm excited to have you again. I'm recording this on a quiet and dark and candlelit Sunday evening, and I'm going to talk about slowness, disability, and process as devotional practice. So I know that could be an abstract topic, and I can tell it's going to be a waffle. I'm sitting here with a bunch of notes but I'm not making promises about coherence, I think. Mainly, I really want to share things I need to hear myself. And I think sometimes sharing them with you in this way just really helps me take them in in a bigger way. So I'm really grateful for you listening. And yeah, I'm also going to share a little bit about my experience of disability um, and how slowness shows up in my life at this point and in my practice. (sighs) <sighs> let's begin with a big sigh, I guess, um, and then also an update. So I've brought my Patreon back. I had given myself a pause in May this year after a bit over five years because I felt like I needed a real break from this podcast and I also needed a break from offering sessions and I know that many people who've been patrons for a long while would have supported me anyway. Um, But it just felt more an integrity to just really close it for the time being and to reconsider what I'm offering through it. Um, I just also recorded an episode on my other podcast, Embodied Business, where I talked about kind of the value and beauty and challenge of memberships and subscription as part of your business. If you're curious about that, you can listen over on the other podcast. But here I'll say that I'm really like returning to this big sense of excitement of this way of sharing with people. The Patreon supports this podcast, but it's also a way to be in community and share the textile research I'm going to be doing next year. So in case I haven't shared that with you yet, (laughs) I am doing a master's in history at the University of the Highlands and Islands, and I'm Mm -hmm. focusing specifically on textile history and well-being in my research. And so throughout 2024, I'm going to share what I find. Each month, I'm going to offer a PDF with um, an embedded video, Skillshare of like a small doable project. Um, And and I'm also going to share some uh, (laughs) resources such as podcast episodes from other shows and books and zines that I really love. Each month, we'll have a topic and we're beginning with slow stitch in January and then Confidence Around Color in in February. And then there'll be all kinds of like really cute um, projects like making a comfort bag or exploring stitching as an ancestral skill, mending in meaningful ways. So yeah, the, the topics are all mapped out for next year. And I think they offer a really beautiful progression. And then in addition to that, we'll have three live sessions each month. Um, the first one is the first Sunday of every month with the spark session that is actually free for anyone who wants to join. It's a way to look at the month ahead and get a sense of priorities and intentions. And then the second Wednesday, we'll have a quiet co-crafting session with candlelight. I might read some stories and we'll each work on our project. It doesn't have to be stitching, but it can be. And then the third Sunday, we'll have a slightly longer session also making together, but also um, Q&A time and a a chance to share your work and feature it with other people if you wish, which is completely optional. So yeah, I think it's going to be a beautiful container for people who kind of want to have some accountability and inspiration for their making practice next year and who are also interested in my research and kind of up for supporting the podcast. Um, The intro pledge or intro price is going to be 8 or $14 until mid-January. So yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes. I would love to have you if you're interested. All right. So now about slowness, disability and process as devotional practice, I want to kind of first contextualize this by saying what my disabilities are and what my experience is, because Obviously I can only speak for myself and what I'm learning over time with disabilities is really that you just can't know what being in someone's body is like and what they might need. I'm glad that we are talking about this more and that um, accessibility is becoming a much bigger, much more important topic across many different spheres of, of daily living. I think that is really super overdue, but at the same time, I'm also having this awareness that, you know, there's a lot that we can put in place and that we need to put in place. But at the end of the day, we also need to ask open questions and be willing to be uncomfortable uh, you know, with things that we can't know. So anyway, this is my experience. <laughs> um I think my neurodivergence is really making me very sensitive to um to sensory stress. I particularly found find sounds quite hard. I find navigating public transport quite hard and that's a reason why I kind of really need to work from home. Um, I can be socially awkward, I can have meltdowns, I've had tinnitus for some years and I have a bunch of symptoms that are kind of stress related from uh, existing in the world I guess and having a sensitive nervous system and I really need to pace myself a lot day to day even from small travel, I need to give myself time to recover. Um, Otherwise, I get uh flares or flare-ups of chronic pain. I can get migraines and just kind of stop functioning on, on the most basic level. And then I had an accident at the end of 2020, which is a physical disability. I have two plates and 15 screws in my left leg, and that is really limiting my mobility. It gives me chronic pain. And it's another way in which I really need to pace myself and plan kind of my time in the outside world, leaving the house very, very carefully. And I think day-to-day work can be challenging is, yeah, like having physical energy to do things. For example, I've not been grocery shopping for many years. I need to order my groceries just because I couldn't carry them home. It would be really stressful to go to the shop. Um, and I need just need to save my spoons, and, you know, in that way, basically, and I think also socializing, obviously, has become difficult in different ways over time, chronic pain sometimes means that I need to change plans, but it also means that I need to really carefully plan, like, I'm not spontaneous, I mean, I've never been the most spontaneous person, to be fair, um but I think sometimes what feels hard to communicate to people is that I really need to know what to expect in a lot of ways. You know, I need to be able to plan my journey. I need to know how long I'm gonna need to be standing or sitting or walking. and I really carefully need to budget, um, yeah, like my time and energy and what I commit to and and that makes socializing kind of much less fluid or. Um, adventurous perhaps than I would like it to be sometimes and there can be a real sense of grief with that. I will say also that part of my experience with disability is that I have both an a visible and an invisible disability and it's been really interesting to see kind of how an acquired physical disability is seen so differently by the world and how it made receiving support and accessing resources a lot easier in some ways. I remember for example in lockdown when I was using my walking frame people automatically gave me much more space and I think having a condition that is like so clearly visible is just meaning that sometimes people ask less questions or they challenge me less when I need time or space for something and obviously I'm grateful in some ways but in other ways it also just makes me sad that I had to you know, have this other thing happen to me to kind of access things that in a way I've always needed, and that everyone who needs them really deserves and doesn't need to shouldn't have to justify in a a physically visible way, basically. So yeah, those are a few thoughts for context, surely there's so much more to say, but I'm just wanting to kind of open here with those things. So, slowness in my creative practice and my rituals and my making have become, like, I would say, the major topic probably in the last few years. Not by choice, but just because my energy is different. I have much less time to be up and working and really focusing on projects. And so I needed to adjust my expectations for what I can do. And I know from being with people from the creative space sessions I facilitated from workshops, that that's actually something that is true for so many of us. So whether or not you have a disability or chronic illness um, or some other kind of restraint on your time, such as maybe care for other people that you're doing, I think all of us probably would love to have more time and energy to make and be creative than we actually currently have are so you know often we'll have ideas and we want to reach to the sense of completion as soon as we can and like you know experience the sense of like outbursts of energy and making stuff happen and really manifesting something quite quickly that we've seen in our inner eye and then there's the sense of frustration and grief that it just isn't possible and so how can slowness become actually like a meaningful and welcomed and embraced part of our creative practice and how can that maybe help us feel more self-compassion or compassion for other people, but also maybe even compassion for how slow the change that we want to see in the world really is. Like that's also a super big topic for me, obviously. Like why why are we still dealing with so many things that are, you know, very clearly harmful to ourselves and each other and the planet when so much evidence points to other approaches being more sensible. Anyway, let me not get down that rabbit hole right now, because otherwise we'll never get to talk about slowness as part of our practice. But yeah, one thing I found interesting is kind of looking at the arc of development in my own life, because like I said, it can be so easy to feel impatient, be like, oh, I've been wanting this for years. Why hasn't it happened yet? So um what I've do- done for my textile practice for example is to go back to 2018 which I think is the time where I became more serious about researching and trying things and making stuff and attending workshops and sharing things with other people and to look at those first few drafts and also to read my diary from the time to think about kind of my ideas and ambitions back then and to see how much things really have changed even though there's so much more I wish I could have done in the in the last five years um but really when I pay attention I meet that with kindness then I can see I've taken a lot of risks and I invested a lot of time in things that I've wanted to try with textiles and I made some pieces that I really love looking at still and that I'm excited to share and I also know that if I just stay on this trajectory even if it's slow There's so much more to come for me and I'm so excited to see what's going to unfold there. The same is true for my business. I started in 2015, so I'm approaching nine years very soon, which means it will be in my 10th year, which is so wild. And I I can there also see that it originated from this place of really needing to work from home and work for myself and needing to make stable income. And how the first few years were so much about really those most foundational questions of like how can I make a living in a way that isn't gonna ruin the rest of my life basically that's gonna feel meaningful for me and that is truly sustainable for all aspects of my being. And it was almost kind of like putting out fires and a lot of them and there was a lot of speed to that but then There were also all these circles of like moments of starting and stopping and trying different things and making mistakes and changing something, and definitely moments of frustrations and being like, oh my God, I wish I was so much further along in this process. But really, when I step back now and I look at it, I can see that the slow periods have been so valuable for my development. They really have been fertilizing the soil on which I've grown, all kinds of beautiful other things that I'm truly proud of. And the slowness was a key ingredient. It certainly wasn't the speed or, um, you know, the fast action that got me to the places that I really wanted to go to. So that feels beautiful to acknowledge. Um, I can also see this repetition of patterns of like certain things Really, being a red thread that's always been important to me because I think and like a sister worry almost to, um, being too slow is like being not decisive enough or not having found, like this one thing that is your whole thing, um, which I think is true in both business and creative practice where we all want to be, you know, this really easy to sell product on Instagram where you can say this is who I am and this is what I do and here's what you can do. Buy from me, right? And I think it's often just so much more complex than that because we're actual human beings, obviously. And in my business, I will say, for example, I can actually see now that the thread has always been in my web design practice and tech support that I love helping people create sustainable livelihoods. I love having complicated and messy conversations about what it means to hold anti capitalist values but still feel like you want to make a living or you have to make a living. And like how can we be both visionary and pragmatic sometimes? And how can I apply design skills and technical software skills to just make things easier for people, to create beautiful visual languages, to build good websites that will last people a long time. So while I have changed like the format of what I offer, the pricing, my approach, the kinds of packagings I offer in many ways over the last eight and a half years there's been this thread and there's been this continuous slow development that was really important and that got me where I am now and in my textile practice I think the themes and patterns were always ritual and embodiment and process and kind of meaning and reflection so there were you know, years in my business where um, rituals needed to be much more structured and kind of had more like a daily rhythm. Um, I was living in a different landscape, so there were other plants that I work with. There were other herbal rituals that I had when I was still in Brighton, for example, versus here in Scotland, where the year and the cycle feels very different and there's really different yes there's just different plants around me different animals and plants and so that's reflected in my practice and my home has changed I have a little bit more space now than I had in Brighton and all these things obviously kind of impact the exterior I guess of my creative practice but at the core have been always these questions of like what is what even is the human experience like what does it all mean to be alive and How do I walk through life with a sense of embodiment, even though I've experienced difficult things in my body? What part does ritual play and what is the process and what am I reflecting on? And I I think those last two parts of like process and reflection, maybe are also really important to me because I've always had the sense of like, not necessarily being able to visually manifest the things that I would like. Um which is so silly in a way. I think it has to do with not having been to art school and not being very good at representational drawing where I can look at something and then really draw it the way it looks. I just can't do that. But obviously what I had to learn over years is that creativity can mean so many different things. And that's really just one tiny aspect of it. And I think to me, my work has become so much more about like really expressing something that's deep and meaningful to me, and it's not as important anymore what it looks like, of course, Aesthetics are important to me. I love the visual language that I've come to develop as like a reflection of who I am um but that's not the whole story and um finally, with, with slowness, I'll say that I'm also often seeing it as like a really important part of resistance and permission giving, so sometimes, like I mentioned when I find socializing hard or when I need a lot of planning and a lot of yeah like flexibility or kindness or patience I try to remind myself that what I have to offer people is like a real sense of slowness and that's a gift to people who lead busy life and who have like jobs in the outside world and who hardly ever slow down because they're not yet forced to and I say this without bitterness because When I'm saying not yet, what I mean is just like, you know, we're all aging, we're all in bodies that will in one way or another, lose some of their abilities at some point in the future. And I just, with my accident, for example, had this opportunity earlier in life than most people to be slowed down in like a really drastic way. And I had to build this life for myself now where my home is really the center of my whole being. It's where most of my time is spent where I find comfort for my body, where I rest and where I need to bring in meaning from the outside world because I can't engage with the outside world as much as I used to anymore. And so, you know, how can I share that with people and give them permission to think about what they need from their own home, from from the ways that they find comfort in their body and so forth. Um, and I think that is a part of resistance where, so many aspects of life just feel like they're constantly speeding up and we are expected to be in so many different places at once and then that process often lose kind of the presence that we really want or the intention and yeah attention and intention that we can bring to the different things that we are committing to oh let's do a little sigh here hmm The other aspect I wanted to talk about is the devotion that I'm feeling to different things and what slowness and disability might bring to that. I'm thinking so much at the moment with slow stitching, for example, about the value of time because I, well, very practically speaking, um, I've been making some small and some medium sized quilts and slowly my work is in some ways becoming bigger and I'm planning projects that I know will take a lot more time um hundreds if not thousands of stitches whereas you know I've probably been more in the hundreds so far and I'm excited for those and then with the reality of like what being alive at this time is like I also have to think about economic aspects I have to ask myself for example like you know can I justify spending all that time if I'm never going to sell it or can I justify Bringing in material if I'm never gonna sell it, and material maybe is not so much an issue because I mostly work with recycled materials, you know. But still, I have to think about, you know, can I justify spending that much energy on something that I really don't know? Will you know how it will be received by myself or others? And what I find interesting is that I love stitching so much; it's become such a big part of my life and support for my mental health and also because I spend much more time at home, I have this abundance of time resting basically and in some ways that's a huge gift and in other ways it's like obviously raising, bringing up a lot of grief and restriction and sadness and loss of things I used to be able to do. Um, But the one thing I have a lot of now is time sitting in my chair being able to stitch basically where in the past I would have just been too busy. So And I think what's curious about that is like, does that mean that time is worth any less just because I have much more of it? Because yeah, like, you know, I could easily, I guess, commit to a stitching project that I know is going to take me a hundred hours to make, because I know that over the next few months, I'll probably find those hours. If it doesn't require me to sit at a desk or stand up or do anything like physically strenuous, then is that a word? Did I make the up? Anyway, physically hard, whatever. Then I can probably find that time because I would be needing that time to rest and listen to podcasts or audiobooks anyway. So I might as well be stitching. And yeah, that's like I think that's interesting again from an economical point of view, where I'm wondering, you know, would I want to do this more often? Is this something I want to pursue? If so, would I want to sell those pieces? And then how would I price them because they could in theory become very expensive and if they're not, does it then mean that I value my time less because I have a disability now or more disabilities? Um, these are just weird questions I'm asking myself, right? Like I'm clearly not making a statement here at all. I'm just curious about how all those things and the slowness and of my process has like impacted my practice and how I see things now something a book that i found really interesting to read to listen to is your money or your life i'm so sorry i forgot the author um but if you search for it it will come up and basically it deals with kind of how we spend our money and how we value our own time and uh it has a lot of things that didn't really apply to me or ideas that i didn't particularly love but one thing that i took away from it is this idea of um thinking about your work, working out your hourly rate and then looking at the things you buy and the stuff that you spend money on and thinking about whether that expense is worth the amount of hours you're basically putting in when you're considering your hourly wage. And that really helped me to consume less, I think, and to mend the things I have more and to just be much more intentional and mindful with how I spent my money and how I valued my time because now you know when I see something I could potentially purchase immediately my thoughts go to well this will be x amount of my time do I want to give that up basically and I mean it's not easy obviously and it also you know even having the time and space to be able to make those decisions and really think that through is a privilege um but it certainly has been eye-opening and it's in a way very indirectly given me more permission to be slow in my practice because I'm like oh no I'm choosing my time quite often I'm not making those mindless purchases anymore I'm choosing to have more time to practice even if that's really slow and that makes me quite happy to think about and then the last part I wanted to talk a little bit more about is process and kind of how that can be a devotional practice because I'm thinking so much about skill and story and how those two things come together in creative practice and making. And I think I'm often struggling with my technical skills, maybe falling short of what I would like to be able to do. And then I feel the sense of like peace and slowness in my life. And I know that that's a place from which a lot of storytelling can come that can make my work more meaningful, that than it would be if I was rushing around the way that I was in the past. And I'm trying to really shift my attention to that positive aspect of it, of how things have changed. And I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking back at the pieces I've made and I'm trying to remember the setting, the story, the intentions, the things that I brought to it. And I, yeah, I can then really see that the slowness has added to it and that has has been really important. And I'm trying to be less focused on the physical outcome of something I'm trying to be more appreciative of the process and what it has offered me. Because so often the slow process of like having a Lino block print or um stitching something is really like time for integration and reflection and a sense of peacefulness and calming my mind. And there are many different ways to achieve those things, but sometimes, you know, making practice is the thing that is most accessible to me and it also reminds me that sometimes simple aesthetics are really something I love so much I think the way that I dress and furnish my home has become really simpler I have a really simple color palette that feels very peaceful to me I like surrounding myself with like natural fabrics and nice textures and it really doesn't have to be more complicated than that to be meaningful both in like my life and in my creative practice and then I also like the intimacy that comes from being able to tell stories of how something has come to be so when I well last year in 2022 I spent a month in the highlands when I was between houses and that was just after I lost a friend to suicide so I was in a period of really deep grief and I packed a big bag full of you know blankets and textiles, yarns and linens and needles and embroidery floss and I did make a lot in that month. I think I was very ambitious with how much I packed which you know is is ironic for what I'm trying to tell you here but the pieces I did make I really love so much and they're not mind-blowing visually you know they're really quite simple pieces but I know that I will always look at them and remember that time and that having that connection to this process and that moment of my life and where I was, you know, what landscape I was in, what my thoughts were, that is so important to me. And I would never want to trade that for being able to do, let's say, 10 more very advanced stitches, for example. Never. And then finally, I think with process, disability and slowness, there's also this this idea of accessible meditation I've meditated for many many years in my life I began being interested in meditation as a teenager so that's more than 20 years ago and um, I meditated in different settings with different approaches and I know that when I meditate I'm happier I'm more balanced I'm better able to integrate things and and calm my mind which is so valuable, but I also know that it can be really hard to commit and sink into it and just take those first steps of like sitting down at you know the altar or on the meditation cushion or whatever and I think, especially in moments of really deep distress in my life, I found it impossible to be still and to be with silence and then really simple making practice where it's just stitching up and under up and under or having a really simple block, that has been the thing that allowed me that really simple repetitive motion and that, you know, just paying attention to the breath rather than spinning in my thoughts. And so, yeah, I want to center that even more in my creative practice to yeah, just to allow this simplicity to really take up space and not overthink what could be more complex or more sophisticated or richer in some way when actually that simplicity is so beautiful and I and I hope that when I share pieces and people want to have them in their home and they look at them they feel that same sense of enchantment with process and slowness and that they value the simple aesthetics for what they are, you know, and that can kind of hold both of like, oh, I wish I could make these big, beautiful tapestries with a lot of color and detail and complexity. But also, I love these other things I can actually make so much. And I know they have meaning too. And, and thank you for coming to my TED talk, basically. We're just over half an hour now. And I I feel pretty complete. I think I covered what I wanted to say and I you know obviously there's always so much more to say but I really hope it's been a starting point for you to think more about what slowness means in your own practice whether or not you have disabilities or chronic illnesses and yeah just a, like a deep sigh um and like an invitation to trust the process which I so need to hear myself so need to hear that and when I imagine like stitching in my 60s you know 20 years from now I feel such sense of excitement and peace and trust in the process and I want that for all of us so yeah thank you again for listening thank you for coming along I will link to stitching together in a profile in the show notes if you want to check that out I would love to have you and I'll speak to you soon